of support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for That's Craig it. Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Avanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Avanelli spots out. Uh, welcome back to the Board Breakdown podcast with me, Johnny uh, Elliott, and a special guest, Tom Green. Um, he is the most electrifying man in fanzine entertainment. Um, but I was going to start this podcast off. Um, um, the man called James Tucker, um, he's a listener to the podcast, and his mother, Cheryl, is um, fundraising for breast cancer um, care. Um, she wants to raise £150, um, but hopefully we can uh, we can obviously surpass that. Um, we're going to share the link um, on our Twitter page after this podcast. So, um, if you'd like to donate, um, please do it for a really good cause. And obviously, together um, we will be cancer. Right now, the important stuff's out of the way. Um, let's chat about Middlesbrough um, and how poor our season's been. I'm joking, um, but I'm going to start off with you, Tom. Essentially, the most electrifying man um, <laughs> in fancy entertainment. That was that was your description, not mine. I yeah, know. I really not. Just need to stop making jokes. <laughs> I don't know. I like well, I, you put it in the work chat, and I, I told you I'll, I'll say it. Um, but Middlesbrough um, won against Reading on, on Saturday and it was obviously a much better display um, you were there, you were in the executive box for a change um, um, much better performance obviously against Reading uh, obviously after the defeat against Nottingham Forest yeah definitely um, I think we. I was worried a bit when we went 1-0 down uh, especially because we'd had the run of, run of play up until that point and it kind of came out of nowhere but I was uh, very happy with how the team reacted to that and it was still a great performance after that for the rest of the first half, and I think we were probably hanging on for a bit in the second half. But it was it was still a very good defensive display in the second half. Yeah, well, we should be it's Tony Pierce team, but else um, <laughs> the impact of Lewis Wing was a bit of a surprise um, inclusion at the start of eleven as well. Did he really make the the difference? Or would you say? Yeah, definitely. Um, I was really surprised to see him in the lineup. I mean, I think did he say in his press conference a few weeks back that he was going to be out for the season? That's what everyone thought and. Yeah, it was strange, but it's glad to see him back. Obviously, he must have recovered um, pretty well from his operation, if if he's had it yet. Um, but yeah, he definitely made the difference. His quality of delivery and sort of composure on the ball, um, you know, was refreshing. I, I like someone kind of playing in that, you know, central attacking position. And, and he he was, you know, he was filling in loads of gaps. <coughs> and he was getting in spaces that we don't normally see when he's not in the team. So. Um, yeah, he took his goal really well. Um, I'm sure he hit the post as well. He hit the post twice in me, mm. and he, he hit it the first time. So, but yeah, like like Tom said, overall it was a, a good performance. And um, yeah, like I said, when we went one nil down, I thought it was going to be another one of those where it was, when we were that one of the six defeats where we were seemingly you know the better team and we went behind. And it's quite funny. It was did you did you pick up on the name of the guy that scored? Yeah, Danny Norder, the yeah. eighteen year old who uh, Ollie was um, mentioning on the last podcast. Um, yeah, it was just uh, typical, wasn't it? He said like he hasn't started many games or whatever this season, and he's probably going to get a, a look in because of Nelson Oliveira and the, and the other striker getting injured. And it turns out he scored, and it was it was a good goal. So. But yeah, we turned it around in three points. So. Yeah, funny enough, we spoke about Daniel Loader in the car the other night, didn't we? We uh, did, yeah. Um, just saying, if you are on FIFA and you're a Kareem or 
pleased by Danny Lawler is he's a he's got a good potential. He's got he? a fantastic potential. He's right. got to train him a few times, you know. You know, take your take him under your wing a little bit and uh, show him that you care, and then he yeah. uh, he t- turns out to delivers the goods. But um, did you feel like feel the worst a little bit, Tom? Um, when we went, when Danny Lawler hit a top bins, do you think well? Okay, we go again. The playoffs are pretty much finished now. We're all done and dusted. Definitely, I think I was I was sat right behind that shot as it as he hit it, and as soon as he hit it, I just thought that's going in. Randolph's absolutely nowhere near that. Through no fault of his own, I don't think any keeper could probably get that. Um, but yeah, as soon as he hit that, I just thought it's just gonna be another one of those games. I was expecting Redden to park the bus, which I think they did go very defensive after that, and it took a while to break him down. Mm. It was nice to see Lewis wing back and see someone having a shot from outside the box as well because I think uh, <laughs> since he's been gone it has been kind of walked in a fair few times um, but no it was good to see him back he took his goal well um, and then I think at a level score we were always going to we were the better team so we were always going to do well from that point Yeah it showed a lot of, a lot of character to come back um, from, from one all down especially with the run that we've been in I think as a player's perspective, I think that when you go through those phases, it's it's very very difficult to to, to change your mindset and really get back in the the swing of things, especially when there was so much on the line. Um, appreciate our fate could be pretty much decided tonight again uh, when Swansea play um, Derby County. Couldn't think of the think of the name there, but it's uh, I thought it was a really good performance, especially to come back. And when I've seen when I've seen the game back, I thought we were always going to be the team that were, were going to win the football match in the end. But there's um, Britta Sombolonga. I want to mention um, 15 goals um, this season. The player, the last player <coughs> to do that consecutively was Yakubu um, in the Premier League. Um, but do you think Ellis? Do you think Sombolonga doesn't get enough credit for what he does, especially in a Tony Pulis side? Doesn't get much chances. Gets his name mentioned by Pulis a lot in the press conferences for missing chances. Mm. Yeah, um, kind of agree with you, but at the same time, I don't think he helps himself. I think he takes clear-cut chances when he has them and he gets in good positions, and no doubt in, in a side like this and with only scoring, I don't think we're over 50 goals, are we? To, to, to score 15 of them is almost around a third of them, so he, he's done really well. Um, but I think what it is sometimes with him is he frustrates, and he frustrates me, I don't know if he frustrates many other fans, but I guess... Tony Pulis in that sense as well because he, I don't think he does what he wants from him in his system and maybe because he, he doesn't want to be in that system um, is, is what it might be but it, it it seems like I can't remember if it was the last match or the match before but there was a chance where he could have got the ball it was like going out of play and he just didn't even bother running for it, he kind of just like jogged and like watched it go out and everyone was just kind of like you could have got that, he's a bit lazy in the sense where He'll press for a little bit and then he just kind of gives up um, and he, he kind of waits for it. He's one of those strikers where he wants it literally on a plate for him. And I know you know most people should be wanting that anyway and you know they should be, be getting that. But you know, we've had players in the past who are more workhorses in a sense. They'll try and chase down loose balls and especially if you're you know up front on your own, which I don't really know if he is. I don't know whether Fletch is playing just off him. Um, I don't think he, he gives it all he can in that system but you know 15 goals it has to be said um, it's a great return when you think Patrick Bamford got 19 and he got player of the season mm. you know it's a uh, it's, a, it's a good return so. obviously less said about Patrick Bamford especially with his yeah. with his, uh, his theatrics with um, United um, what do you think Tom do you think Ashley Fletcher he's just came in the squad more or less of like the final third of the season do you think if he started the full season 
obviously it's high, it's high now but do you think he would have been up there as well with Britain in terms of like the goal scoring record um, I, I'm not too sure I, I think he'd have probably been a little bit behind Britain in terms of the uh, the goal scoring record but I think he's looking a little bit more like the not like a player you'd spend 7 million on but a bit like he's kind of returning on investment a little bit more now I think Pulis has done a good job in bringing him into the, the squad and giving him a bit of confidence I think uh, I feel like it could be a little bit similar to Traore last year where obviously Pulis worked wonders with him and got him actually delivering crosses into the box rather than <laughs> out for a goal kick Um I think no. I think Fletcher, Fletcher's done well under under Pulis, uh this season. He, he has repaid what we've spent a little bit, um, and he's. He, I think he's working well up front with Britt as well. I think with the um, the two strikers or potentially Fletcher like playing off him, it seems to be working much better than just having Hugo up front for for example. Mm. I think they would probably work really well together. And call me crazy, but like a flat four four two, and if you actually had wingers. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, and someone who was going to knock balls into the box, I feel like that'd be like a striker's dream, especially for them, you know. Um, but we we just don't do that. I think they do really well, um, obviously being direct and trying to run at defenders because that's all we have because we don't have the width. We have to be quite narrow um, and try to get the balls in the box with the the Leeds Cafu or um, or George Savile. So it's uh, but let's move on to the um, the Player of the Year awards that were. Uh, earlier this week um, Darren Randolph won uh, well he was in the team of the uh, championship um, he won the fans and he won the players player of the year um, as well but do you think uh, it, it was a fair one or do you think Van Lepara was a bit unlucky to miss out <laughs> I think uh, I think Randolph's probably won us some points on his own this season I think if anyone was deserving a player of the year uh, for the fans and the players well it was definitely him yeah so sorry, go on, go on. I feel like the players probably owed him a vote for that at, at times. Yeah, do you think like Lewis Wing was a little bit unfortunate to miss out? He had a really good breakthrough. Se- he has a, had a really good breakthrough season. I think because he hasn't been involved in as many games, um, and although he has, um, like you said, incredible breakthrough season and scored some some good goals, I don't think um, there's been as many vital moments that Lewis Wing's had as Randolph has had. So. Okay, fair enough. Dale Fry, um, young player of the year. No real competition, really. I think he's very much deserved. He's been excellent. He's been very mature. I think, with like you were saying on the last podcast, anyway, about our average age of the squad, I don't think many many qualify for it. But <laughs> I think it's uh, Dale Fry and Davinier, isn't it? So <laughs> that's about it. Yeah, so. poor Tav. Um, but no, I think I think Dale Fry is. Uh, He's really came into his own this year. Um, I know he played like bits and bobs a bit the year before, and um, he actually broke through when. It was like Okaranga and Preston away. Um, it was the first of the game. I think it was 16, 17 year old, just turned 17. Um, he's really developed really well um, over the last couple of years. So I think he'll only technically get better as well. And I think we'll only see technically better players come through the ranks as well because, like I've mentioned on the previous podcast, the game's changing now. Um, training's getting better, facilities are getting better. And I think we'll just see, we won't see, we might not see a genetic freak at Middlesbrough, but we will see a lot more, more technically better uh, gifted players than we have in, in previous years. Um, let's move on um, in terms of like next season now um, obviously the season's not over yet we've got Swan- Swansea playing Derby tonight Derby after West Brom as well so on the, on the weekend so we have a big big chance to get in the playoffs um, Paul Oliver asked the question of saying um, do, Millsburg, do you think Millsburg have plans for going up and staying down for next season um, like, I feel like you have to right? yeah I feel like you'd have to Yeah, I think the club would have to you'd have to plan for all eventualities 
I'd like to think um, that you know we are that organised. I mean, I don't know what goes on in the ins and outs of the club. Um, the only real aspect you get from stuff like that is a docu series of you know Man City and and Sunderland. But and you've seen the stark difference in them of Man City having about hundred people working behind the scenes, and Sunderland having some people who seemingly think Ibrahimovic is going to come on loan to the <laughs> Championship. So you know, I'd like to think we were you know somewhere in the middle there, and um, that we've actually got. You know plans in place for if we did go up and you know the targets had changed and um, you know the, the players that we'd be going for uh, you know all the money would be factored in and stuff like that um, and if you know obviously if we don't go up then you know how are we looking to rebuild for next season in terms of managers players any you know change in, in staff if um, we have less funding and, and stuff like that so yeah, yeah so, so Tom um, what type of players would you like to see would you are you all on board with the 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 five hundred k type player, um, young coming through, currently from League One, League Two, or would you do like what you've been doing in your career mode with MK Dons and doing financial takeover after financial takeover? Uh, I mean, I'm I'm the new Brentford now, so I'm trying to like play down that financial takeover past. <laughs> but uh, um, no, I, w- I wouldn't mind uh, a few kind of um, uh, low value signings from the the lower leagues coming through. Um, I think we've had some great value with George Friends. With I mean, Adorma was only about a million, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, Ayala was very small fee, and we've got some of our our best value out of those players. Um, and I mean, the, the same can't be said for people who spent a lot of money on, like uh, Braithwaite, for example. Um, we've only got about six months out of him before he wanted to go out on loan. Um, so I, I think there's there's players in League One who would probably make the step up for a, a lower sum, and I'd say they're probably a, a little bit hungrier in the Championship as well. I think if they're stepping up from League One to the Championship, playing for a club which is expected to at least kind of playoff positions every year, they've got a chance of going up with the Premier League and being part of a project for that. I'd say that's the better way of going about it rather than kind of spending ridiculous amounts on some players. Yeah. I think it swings around about so, isn't it? Because I, I think although, um, I, you know, I'd, I'd really love if we kind of took that recruitment model on, um, but it's whether it's actually going to work and you can maybe try and point towards um, potentially other people who we've signed from, I'm trying to uh, think, Marvin Johnson and, you know, Mark Yates even in the past, like where we... You know, you're trying to pick up these players and, and go with that and it doesn't quite work out um, and you know in theory it's all good but I, I, I seen a tweet the other day it was saying you know everyone's saying this now but when it gets to August and we sign someone for 500k everyone's like oh, what's Steve Gibson doing that you know why don't we what are we buying players from League One for a load of shite all this and um, it doesn't it, show any ambition at yeah all. it doesn't show how, any ambition how and, dare we yeah. Pay over 150k for someone 150k L's for a promotion team absolute <laughs> shocking yeah and Gibson, he's lost it he's lost it with the fans that's what it's, it's going to be I think it has to be the, the fans have to be on board with it as well as a club and I think the recruitment has to be spot on um, there's examples of it working with individual players and examples of it working at a whole club level um like we've already said with, with Norwich and Sheffield United but there's probably been instances that maybe not as well documented because you know successes like that are, are, are way more in the media than you know failures so I mean I don't quite know who, uh, players uh, teams like Ipswich and Rotherham have signed this year but I imagine they've you know tried to do things on a, uh, a budget and tried to be a bit smarter about it but 
you can see obviously it hasn't worked out for them um, so I, I just hope obviously the players we're going for are, are quite tipped to be very well um, yeah, high potential in the future you know they got those uh, got those stats on FIFA um, but no I, I hope it's you know that the recruitment team have, have really done the research behind it and and I think some players a uh, big shout out to Ben um, I think he's at on Twitter as True Smoggy um, he's put together a good thread of players um, not that I think the club will be reading it anyway but I think just as fans who you know, if Boris start do targeting these players, um, they've had good returns in, at the clubs that they've been at so far. Um, they're all pretty young, um, you know, coming into their own. So I think if you see us starting to be linked with some of those players, and you know we're going down that down that route. Mm. So. I think with, with that though, especially when you're trying to buy players for for less money, it's it's always it's it's having the the balance of are they better than what we've got? Yeah, and also on a player perspective. If Middlesbrough are bringing in someone in who's not as good as you, um, your attitude will probably change a little bit more, and you're gonna be like, "Ah, oh, well, what's the point? I don't have to try as hard because this kid's not gonna, not gonna beat me." So everything has to probably match, um, not just what the player expectation is, but the club expectation. Um, we've also, you know, try to get, like, get the fans on board as well. I think you, know, you just mentioned there, saying like 500k, like 200k here, buying from the lower leagues. Um, even if we did go up this year, which is probably unlikely, and we went, we did that model, a lot of people would probably say would still say we're not showing any ambition at all. Um, and he's just trying to come out and make a statement and say, right, well, look, this is the, this is the way we're going now. This this yeah. this is the new Middlesbrough Football Club. This is the Red Bull Middlesbrough Football Club. Um, <laughs> um, that is just absolutely. That is just a. I've just seen a rumor of that. I just, yeah. Like it would, it would sound great though. Red Bull Middlesbrough has a lot of ring to it, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, I think we'd have a lot more, a lot more money if uh, Red Bull um, took us over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we signed in players for five hundred k. I know that. No, but you, yeah, but you probably still would though. I think it's just that type of model now when you've got to try and find a player that is uh, hungry and probably willing to play for the shirt. Um, we'll see a lot of our goals this year, um, in this summer. I can't see us keeping hold of Braithwaite for much longer. I hope um, not. <laughs> I know, yeah, and he was a lie. Imagine <laughs> a five-year deal. So yeah, you can go out on for another five years. Um, obviously, Dim, you'll probably go. I think Frank will stay. Um, you could potentially see one of the midfielders leave. Well, we have to. We've got, we've got six. Um, yeah. So it's uh, there's going to be a lot of outgoings anyway. But in terms of purchasing players and keeping a financial fair play, Steve Gibson went um, to like a league meeting at Nottingham Forest last week just to just discuss really. Oh, we'll point the finger at Derby County, Aston Villa for spending a lot of money. Do you think? Do you think Steve Gibson has a bit of a point with what he was trying to sell? Or is he just clutching at straws? I think potentially, but I mean, I, I don't know what necessarily has went on at those clubs. But I read something on Twitter the other day where it was like Derby had sold their stadium at their owner um, and managed to get a lot of kind of transfer budget from that, and, and as, as kind of a loophole. Something wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, I don't know how true that is, but I mean that type of stuff surely that is a loophole around the rules so it would need kind of close them up mm. well, Aston, like Aston Villa they were pretty much bankrupt before the start of the season and uh, the owners just took over and they just started spending yeah I didn't get that at all it said as though they were going to have to you know, let so many players go and then it like as soon as the season started you'd you know, seen signing certain players and it was like well it doesn't look like the skin <laughs> <laughs> I don't every, know what the point we were yeah. linked with wasn't it yeah, yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> do you think it's fair though like some teams are allowed to spend 
that much amount of money, especially on well, Millsbury obviously are guilty of it as well. We haven't we haven't like spent like a pound on like five players. You know what I mean? We've we've still spent cash like it was like five million for McNair, seven million for Flint, and we spent over fifty million. You know, with Gary Monk, obviously we we recouped a lot of that back. Um, but mm. do you think it's a it's a bit unfair seeing teams spend twenty thirty million on players? Yeah, I mean Stork exactly. I, I think with us. Um, I'm sure in the Gary Monk season and this season, our net profits actually we've actually been in profit from selling players as well as signing these players on big money. Um, where you might not be able to say exactly the same for teams like Villa. Uh, I'm not exactly sure about who they sold in the off season, um, or Derby, or um, it was the other one. Um, Forest wasn't it? The other one, yeah, Forest. potentially. Um, don't know who, who they've sold and if they've managed to kind of make that money back but I think we were in profit when we did it and it just depends if, if they were as well I think if they were as well then we have no we can't have any complaints about it because we've done the same thing but if it was all from selling stadiums to the owners and leasing it back and getting money that way I think that's probably a little bit unfair on the rest of the league Yeah, I think that's where I sit on the, sit on the fence with it really because I think on one hand I think the timing of it was bad because it almost looked as if Gibson was kind of like oh well we've bought a promotion now so now I'm going to kind of go and grass on these other clubs to mm. kind of you know to do something about it um, but then on the other hand it's you know if it's not just about the spending um, like because you say we, we've spent um, but if it's you know if, if it's a fact that you know they're massively um, out of profit. That you know they've they've been at a loss for the last two years. The you know finding loopholes in the, the system with um, you know buying the stadium and leasing it back. Then yeah, I think something has to be done about it because you know then everyone would just start doing it if that was the case. Um, obviously, we don't know the full how that meeting went. We we knew that it lasted. I think around was it say about five hours or something. It lasted. Um, Nothing was done about it. You know, they didn't choose to take any action on it. So, yeah, it's all um, it's all a bit weird, isn't it, as to how it actually went down in there and um, how Steve Gibson and whoever went with him put put the point across. But the league didn't see anything as being unfair. I guess. Okay. Fair enough. So it, it, it's a no. it's a hard subject, isn't it? Um, to kind of. Kind of thingy because it's uh, knowing the full ins and outs of it and knowing uh, the net spend of every team. But just just from like face value, we know those three teams in question have had some of the top spenders um, in the league, especially Villa um, since they've came down. So you'd think because I know, I know that the way it kind of works is that you can overspend. Um, I think is it in a three or five year period you have to make it back. Um, it's not like you kind of have to you know balance the books in that year, but it's over a three or five year period mm. um, with the amortization or amortization rule or something like that. Um, so whether they're complying with that, I don't know. So okay, before I move on to you, Tom, um, we're going to chat a little bit about your favourite memory, first games, and all time for eleven, and we'll give you three subs and a manager as well because I'm that kind of guy. Um, but one quick question before we move on. Millsbury's promotion chances could be over. Well, it could be over tonight. But do you th- really think realistically it's it's a chance to get in the playoffs and playoffs up? Yes, no. Very slim chance. Very slim. Um, I think we we've been in this position before a few times when we had say Mowbray as manager. I think I can remember one season where we had to go to Cardiff and win, yeah, and I think yeah. Richie Smallwood scored that day. 
Um, but then there was a lot of other results that had to go our way to kind of get in the playoffs, and we we end up missing out. Um, yeah. I think it seems like a similar season this year. I think when you rely on that, it doesn't it's, it doesn't bode well, does it? Um, I think we we need Derby ideally to lose and draw these games because I think if they win one, then we and they lose the other, we've got <coughs> to then win by a bigger margin than what they making these a loss and a win game um, and you know it'd have to be us beating Rotherham 3 or 4 nil, and them getting beat in the West Brom game like 2 nil. I, I just can't see it really well the time you've got Swansea away tough tough place to go especially on Wednesday night you know it's the, the travel as well um, they haven't actually won there since 1999 um, which is a, a good omen would you say obviously touch wood that might happen, it might straight again they've also got West Brom um, at home on the final day of the season again it's a really tough play tough game to go you know West Brom they can still finish third um, with obviously Leeds you know bottling in bottling promotion so far with the automatic promotion um, it's, it's it's the omens are there you, we, obviously we have to win against Rotherham of course but if we um, if we do that and we do everything we can there's an opportunity in there I, I think it's, it's, it's anyone's game thing. we it's just, just need to do our stuff. job don't we really mm. um like you said, after the, if we do our job and it comes down to the, the final day where we can still do it, um, the players have just got to be focused on their game and us in the you know in the stand watching it home or whatever. We keep checking in on the the Derby West Brom result and could could be could be a miracle, yeah. Okay, Tom. There we go. The most electrifying man. <laughs> uh, I love mentioning it. I love it. I absolutely love it. Uh, when you said it to me this morning, I was like, I was by laughing at it, and I just thought. I have to use it. I have to use it. And I thought, well, I asked you, didn't I? I was like, oh well, how would you want to be mentioned in the tweet? And you were just like, ah, oh, just you know, just low key, you know, most electrifying man in fanzine entertainment. Um, nah, just, just call me a distributor. It's all right, no worries. But, um, but how would you get into the distributing side of things, especially with like, I know I spoke with Rob a couple of weeks ago. But how would you get involved with that? Um, I think it was when I was in college. Um, so. My uni course, I was a journalist, um, and that's what I was training for in, in college as well. Uh, so I had the uh, the opportunity to write for Fly Me to the Moon um, probably f- from when I started college, and I, I, I was doing that quite a lot then. Um, and then there was um, a thread from Rob on the message board uh, saying we need sellers for this season. Um, you get a small percentage of each sale. and. Uh, I think my £10 EMA wasn't really doing it for me in, in college <laughs> at the time so <laughs> I needed to make a, a, an extra little bit of money every week so uh, I offered to do it and I've, I've done it since then um, obviously now I don't necessarily need the money but it's uh, part of my match day now and it's it, it, you've got your regular customers you can have a laugh with people the um, the guy who busks in the, the underpass before the, the, the match have a bit of a laugh with him before he starts it's, I really sing along with him as well I haven't done that yet. I've, uh, he, he does sing "Fly Me to the Moon," so I've had half an idea to uh, just walk down the tunnel and start singing that and selling. But uh, no one wants to hear me sing. <laughs> um, favorite Borough memory? Um, obviously, there's been a lot, um, a lot of ups and downs. But what would be your favorite one? I think probably being at the Carling Cup final. Mm. Um, <clears throat> I was right behind the tunnel uh, for that game, and that's be probably one of the best days of my life going to uh, Millennium Stadium and watching that, and uh, obviously seeing the team win the first trophy. 
Um, I think as a close second, Man City when we beat a mate one at, at the Riverside. Like um, I always love when it does the rounds me on Twitter and like Facebook stuff before oil money. Okay, <laughs> yeah, I think that that has to be a close second um, because I remember kind of standing there at the end of the match. I think it was the f- possibly the first season I'd be seen. No, no, it wasn't first season, but it was one of the first seasons I had my season season ticket. I just remember standing there after the match going, "Did that actually happen? I can't believe I've just watched that." That's, uh... <laughs> it's, it's Rockenbach's free kick in that game where it, it couldn't be more perfect than what it is I, I enjoyed that but my, my favourite Borough goal of all time Stewie Downing's volley in that game I think that's, that's a... so underrated in that game because it gets overshadowed by Rockenbach's free kick yeah. but I've tried to recreate that volley so many times playing five side, seven <laughs> side. It's absolutely solid. Something really admire Stewie Downing for what he did there. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've seen you try it on the Tuesday night. Doesn't go, doesn't it goes over the goes over the fence. Of course, <laughs> has to run round again. Don't make yeah. a tumble longer for nothing. Playing <laughs> <laughs> goal on yeah, um, but all time Borough eleven. Honestly, this this is a quite a difficult one. This because every time we ask someone it comes on, they struggle for ages. They normally bring the notes of them as well, and you haven't got any notes. Uh, yeah, I so, texted this to my dad earlier, Ron. So I do about still have this in there. Right. So this is the one I was struggling with right back here. Yeah. Um, because I don't think we've had a really consistently good right back since I've since I can remember. Um. But I've had to go with uh, Schwarzer in goal because yeah. he's probably the best Borough goalie I can remember, and he deserves to be in goal after that uh, that save against City, which put us into Europe. Yeah, yeah. I went for Luke Young at right back. He's uh, narrowly edged out Emilio Ansuwe there. He's always in, Luke Young's in everyone's like all-time Borough eleven. I think, like, I think I think maybe at our age, I think it's it's that, like you say, he must have been the most consistent performer. Yeah. You know. <clears throat> People like Tony McMahon and, and well, Justin Hoyt and stuff. You, what, you about Abel Javier? what about Abel Javier? What about? Be fair, I thought he was all right, and then like, and then he, he was kind. He kind of started like Barragan, didn't he? Where he was like a house on fire. And then after about four games, it was like he's just a mad cunt. <laughs> that, that's basically what uh, all he was, wasn't it? Um, so <laughs> that's all you can say about Abel Javier's career at Middlesbrough. We were doing so well to get a PG and then you dropped the C bomb. <laughs> <laughs> I think we already ruined it. I know, but uh, sorry, um, you went with Luke Young, didn't you? Didn't go in, silly. Yeah. Uh, but go on, Luke Young. Centre backs, Gareth Southgate and Jonathan Woodgate. Um, Southgate and Woodgate. Woodgate, Woodgate is probably one of the the best centre centre backs I've seen play at the Riverside because I think in in his first spell at the club when. I think he was on loan at first and then we signed him on a permanent. Uh, <laughs> he's, he... gone. <laughs> <laughs> he's completely gone. <laughs> I apologise, I apologise. Okay, okay. <laughs> I, I just looked down, you're, you're bright red in the corner. <laughs> sorry, go on, Tom, sorry. Uh, yeah, so I, I, think, I think when he was in his first spell at the club, he, he did some defending. Uh, I've never seen any defending like that since. Like, <laughs> Absolutely brilliant, and uh, <laughs> so left back. Speaking of them, Abel Xavier types, <laughs> uh, you've got a pop icon, Gareth Getz, <laughs> back and out <laughs> with uh, <laughs> uh, the Abel Xavier thing, and then the, the Southgate Woodgate thing got me. Right, okay, <laughs> I think I'm all right. All right sorry, uh, left back, you're going with Emmanuel Pogatet. Emmanuel Pogatet, any particular reason? 
No, just one of my favourite players who uh, play for Borough. I think I'll never forget that uh, game against Man United in the in the cup when he pretty much grabbed Ronaldo by the neck and threw him down in the box and didn't even give away a penalty for us. You always knew what type of player he was going to be when he first signed the six-game ban before he even kicked the ball for the club. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I don't know, but, um, so what, what formation are you playing? Are you going 4-2-3-1? Uh, three, 4-2-3-1, one? One, yeah, I went for the Karanka formation. I'm assuming he's going to be your manager. Oh, he will be, yeah. Okay, I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so my two centre defensive mids there, George Boateng and John Obi mckell Oh, wow. Just because that's a that, centre you know. defensive midfield partnership I would love to see. Yeah, really. I'm not mad at that whatsoever. <laughs> I think that's fantastic. That. Go on. Uh, then the three ahead of them Mendieta on the right Giannino on centre and Apollo Zenden on the left and Mark Viduga up front no Stewie Downing he's on the bench because he can't start (laughs) (laughs) contractly obliged not just (laughs) Um, sorry you three subs mate Uh, so I've got to have Traore as a sub just because he was just so enjoyable to watch and yeah, he's uh, probably does well as a sub as well. He'd be a, he'd be a great impact sub in that team, wouldn't he? Right, would be. Guessing, do we need a keeper as a sub or? Nah, you can do whatever you want. Shotwood Gate and goal if uh, <laughs> Schwarzer gets sent off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the subs I'm kind of struggling with here. I'll probably go for uh, Tunchai again for being enjoyable to watch. And I think I've got to put. Ugo at York on the bench just because he's narrowly missed out to Woodgate in the first 11 Ugo I can never I can never pronounce his second name so I was going to put Ugo um, <laughs> but um, <clears throat> no, that's a good team that else do you think give yours for a run, run for its money yeah I think definitely I think um, I'm trying to change that I made I think I think I had Pogatitz in there as well um, I had Ekiog instead of Woodgate I had Rockenbach instead of Mikel and I had I think they had Viduka as well up front as well yeah I might have had Jimmy Floyd or Yakuba I can't quite remember um, who I had up front but yeah pretty pretty similar and I are currently managing them as well the only yeah. the only critique I'd have is the Botang Mikel centre defensive mid partnership right and you're both looking at me thinking why on earth I've just said it was a great partnership but they're both very similar players yeah. and they're both going to cut the lines up with passing wise you know they're going to play it sideways but on the on on defensive side of things, it's great because you ne- you won't concede many goals, especially with that defense. And Karanka managing and Karanka managing as well. But going forward, you don't have that. I'm saying in in the two in midfield, normally there's one that kind of sits in, isn't there? When it was like Clayton and Ledbetter, and then one that kind of drives on a bit, a bit more box to box. But still a still a great great partnership. Well, not, to be fair, Botang scored a couple. You never know. But I think that to be fair, like with Mikel's passing. Um, no offense to George, but I think Mikel's just a bit better than him. Um, but I think he'd be able to like slot through Janine or Mendy and Downing. I think the problem is at the moment is when John Old Mikel looks up, he's got no one around him. He's, someone's either two yards next to him or two two yards uh, two yards behind him, and he's just like, well, what's the point? Like, you yeah. know what I mean? I can see why he gets frustrated because if it ever gets the ball, he's got no one there. But he either passes it back and then gets booted over him, and then goes to the defender, and that that defender boots it over his head. So he's, just, he's not going to touch the ball when he does get a touch of the ball. He just has to be a crab. Um, but finally, Rotherham, sat, Saturday. Oh, was it Sunday? Sunday. Sunday. Sunday, yeah. uh, Sunday half 12 kickoff, last game of the season, um, unless we obviously get in the playoffs. 
Um, Els, I know you've done your little bit of your research, um, like you normally do. Mm-hmm. Um, what have you found about Rotherham? Obviously, the last time we played against Rotherham, the start of the season, um, earlier on in the season, their manager actually came out and said that we're pretty much a very similar team. We just had better players than them. Um, yeah. That was yeah. I could I could actually say that. I think didn't the game didn't the game finish nil nil though. Um, I think so. Yeah. I think he, 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 I remember him coming out and he, he kind of tipped us. He, he thought we were going to be up there um, for promotion towards the end. But I think that they stuck to the game plan very well, didn't they? And they stifled us. And um, yeah. Um, but <coughs> yeah, Rotherham um, last weekend um, they were relegated. Uh, they were winning uh, against West Brom one nil. Got turned around. Um, that's what kept uh, our visitors Reading up. Um, the Reading fans at the end, I thought it was quite good. Um, a lot of them had came down to be honest. And they're all in fancy dress and they had loads of balloons and stuff. But they were watching the live scores um, coming in at the end, and it was kind of like the second page of championship results. And they were like all waiting. And everyone was like, "Oh!" When it came to the second page, and the scene Rotherham got beat, they're all cheering. And yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Good day out for them. But um, yeah, so Rotherham now that they're relegated. Um, could be a bad thing potentially for us, you know. It's last game at home for them. You know, give fans something to you know cheer about. You know, they've got no pressure now. Um, I saw but, something on Twitter the other day, like an interview with their manager, and he, I think, he was saying it was a very kind of impassioned speech, and he just said we want to kind of finish the season on the right note. Mm. So that's made me a bit worried, kind of <laughs> like hearing that from him. Yeah, that's what I mean. I think when you've just got, you know, you can go out and just play your game. There's no pressure on you at all to. You know, knowing that they have to go out and win, they can just you know play the way they want, um, really. But you know, in terms of um, the actual ability and quality of their players, it you know it tells in the fact that you know they're going down this season. Um, it's the in terms of uh, goal scoring, they have scored more than us as a club. But I was having a look into the top goal scorers, and they've got three players on seven, which is shocking. It's worse than Stokes, so. I think Stokes' top scorer was um, a four-bay and he was on eight, um, which was just, you know, seven's just atrocious. And that's um, with Will Volks, um, Michael Smith and uh, Semi Ajay, I think his name is. Um, Yeah, so they line up in a 4-1-4-1 normally. That's what they've stuck to a lot this season. The last game they did play 4-4-2 against um, West Brom, but it is normally um, a 4-1-4-1. Uh, it is worth noting that Asemi Ajay, who's a joint top scorer, is a centre defensive midfielder in that formation, which says it a lot. Could be if Pulis really stays for another season. Yeah, you could be signing him next season. Yeah, League One player, five hundred k, five hundred k, and the goal scoring centre defensive midfielder. What more do you want? Yeah, put him left wing back. Could do. Um, but. I, I mean, mean sorry, go on. So, nah, go on. I was uh, just, just going to say, like, I love the tweets where John <laughs> went. Um, I think it was Millsborough. Clean. I think it's Avril. I think she just retired from the rough for 25 years of service, which is actually an incredible achievement. But then someone commented underneath saying, Does she play a left back? And I was like, Fuck's sake. Like, yeah. come on. <laughs> like, can't we like, just be nice for once in our lives? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's typical, isn't it? Um, I mean, looking around the rest of the squad, um, there isn't many notable names um, that stand out to me. So you think it should be. Um, Victory for us on Sunday, but like you said, you know some of these players are out there to impress. Um, you know the current manager, and obviously to see after the season on a high. So yeah, I hope we can we can get the job done really, and uh, obviously we need to rely on the other results. But 
you know, in that four one four one four one four one formation. Um, I think the only other team we played against like that was Leeds, um, and we seemed to play quite differently when we were in that. We seemed to shuffle the ball out wide pretty quickly, and instead of kind of whipping it in like we did in the last match we tended to and that's how the, the goal came about really um, Lewis Wing's goal we tend to like get it out wide quickly and drag them out um, and then play the ball quickly and uh, to Wing because if you've dragged that centre defensive midfielder out so if you drag Semi and Jay out there's, there's space for Wing to shoot and we know he's not averse to shooting outside the box so I think that's a similar game plan of how we might approach it so OK um, predictions score predictions lineups and all that jazz um, Tom, we'll start off with you. What would be your lineup for Sunday, and what is your score prediction? To be honest, I think I'm going to have to go with the same lineup that started against Reading, and that's purely out of necessity because we don't have any more defenders. I mean, we've <laughs> already got Paddy McNair playing centre back, where I know he's kind of a midfielder by trade now, but uh, yeah, we've got it'd have to be Randolph and Goal, Housen, McNair. Flint, Shotton, Savile, Besic, Mikel, Wing, Fletcher, Asambolonga. Um, it's going to have to be that one that, that starts and probably starts in the playoffs if we pull off a miracle and end, end up getting there as well. Yeah, I was going to say that's probably the same team I'd go for. Else, would you the make? only change I'd um, make, and it's, it's the one that me and Dana have been saying the past couple of weeks, is to, to put down in, in Savile's position. Um, I just don't know what it is about Savile that I don't. Just don't like him in that position. He he just he's good going forward, um, but just defending it, he doesn't read the game very well, and he just I mean he wasn't really exposed that much by Reading, but in the, the game before that, he was so many balls going over him, and he was just watching it, and you know he was so slow to get back and try and close down the cross. Um, I think if he if he is in the team, um, I'd prefer him in, you know central position. Um, but you know even if he's not, he's a, he's a good player to bring on if you're playing down in. In that role, as I think Downing's more, um, you know, more used to that role, and he'll be more, you'll know when to get back, and he'll he'll chase the ball down, and he will try and block off crosses more than Savile. So, so okay. change I made. Yeah, I can probably agree with you. I think I mentioned it last couple weeks, haven't I? About, about Downing, um, it could be potentially be the last game for the club as well. So yeah, could potentially make him captain as well. Um, and so thank you very much, Stuart Downing, be assistant coach next year. Um, score predictions. Um, who wants to start? Um, it's quite a tough one. Uh, you, you we're not notoriously not notoriously big scorers, so you know that a lot of our um, predictions, probably over the past season, <laughs> have been one nil, two nil, one all, or two one. Um, can't really see much else other than that. I can't see us um, scoring three, considering we've only done it twice this season. Um, and I think it'll be quite a tight game, so I'm going to go. I'm going to go say that we'll make it 1-0. Make it 1-0 for Els. Um, Tom? I'm going to go 2-1 to us. 2-1 to Mills, Brett. And I'm going to say 5-0 Redden. No, 5-0 Redden. Uh, <laughs> <Redden. laughs> um, I'm going to say 1-0 on Millsbury as well, Els. Um, oh, actually, no, I'm going to go 2-0 Millsbury. Um, I'm going to say... Stewie down and will score the last goal as well, just to like be a nice little send off from overhead kick, overhead kick from his own half, um, <laughs> and then uh, recreate that volley against Sydney. Yeah, recreate the volley. Imagine if he did and just completely killed it. Um, he'll do a 
nah, to be fair, you'll be trying to get a goal on Tuesday again. I will be. So please don't. Um, and I'm going to say two and I'm going to say down and I'm going to say, call it crazy, end of the season, Aiden Flint header. You never from, know. From a corner. That's from a shot and long throw. From a shot and long throw. Actually, I've never scored one of those long throws. And yeah. I, I don't know why we still do it. It, it makes zero sense. Yeah, no, yeah. There was a thing, wasn't there, recently? The, the stats came out for it. Um, we'd scored three, was it, in the first couple of games, um, converted from set pieces, and then not another since. And um, the, Pulis was even asked about it, and he said it's strange. All of his teams have always been immense at set pieces, and it's the only time it hasn't worked out for him. Um, just seems like we've missed so many chances from them, or not even beat the first man it's just it's baffling and the closest we came from a throw in I think Ayala hit the post a uh, few games ago and I think that's that's the closest I've seen has come from a shot and long throw yet maybe we're not tall enough <laughs> maybe we need to get seven foot guys in maybe we have to get Peter Crouch in yeah. to be fair you know what I wouldn't have been mad if we signed Peter Crouch at the start of the season I just thought he'd be like absolutely perfect for what Pulis tries to do mm. he's like this tall horrible bastard like I think anyone would like to have Peter Crouch in your team it's uh, Nikola Zigic as well if he's still playing <laughs> Zigic who else who else that seven foot is a seven foot defender and then six six foot seven or something it was oh he plays for Fulham he was oh, Hungerland no no he still plays oh, he, was, he was at Darlington for years Dan Byrne Dan Byrne yeah get Dan oh, Byrne right, as well right. he plays centre half yeah. um, but that wraps everything up thanks lads um, Thank Tom thanks for coming on and cheers for having us welcome uh, to come on whenever well, when Dana says she doesn't want to come on we'll get you back on again um, Els thank you very much as always um, like share subscribe um, tag a friend do whatever you need to do obviously rate us 5 star on iTunes that helps with our rating it also helps military fans find our podcast as well um, finally well can we do it can we not um, it would be typical Borita to send us up bye bye <laughs>